Welcome to this episode of the Unleashing AI podcast. Today, we have something different for you. We're bringing you a selection of the best insights from our previous episodes to help you explore the wonders of innovative and custom-built AI and how it can help grow your business. Let's dive in. First up, we have Valery Babushkin, who is the VP of Data Science at Blockchain.com, a cryptocurrency financial services platform. Valery shares how AI is strengthening the security posture at Blockchain.com and how AI helps in detecting and blocking fraudulent transactions in order to protect the consumers. The best analogy, at least for me, is a bank. If you know how banks use AI, you have your answer. Obviously, the first thing is anti-fraud. I try to understand if this transaction is fraudulent, if you want to block it, if you want to prevent it from going on further because you have too high fraud. Otherwise, you might be cut from a payment rails. And also, if you recall that crypto transactions are immutable, so you can't reverse them. So the most of AI we have is concentrated in anti-fraud because it's real-time problem and every transaction has to go through it. Then the rest we have in trading, right? Because trading obviously is also algorithm-heavy business. Yeah, makes sense. I think it's actually going to change pretty soon with all the hype around AI that's happening right now. Up next, we have Ambuj Kumar, co-founder at Fortanix, a company that provides multi-cloud data security, secrets management, data encryption, confidential computing and tokenization. Ambuj walks us through the use of confidential computing and how it helps in protecting sensitive data, even if your network or computer gets hacked. Promise behind confidential computing is that you can decouple security from infrastructure. So I can have my application run on, say, like your laptop. You have full control over your laptop, you have your root password, you can put any malware, any virus you want, you won't be able to get my data. So how exciting is that? And that was, you know, what caused me to create this category and company. But now, if you look at what happens when you use public cloud, right? It's exactly the same thing. You are a bank. For the last, you know, 200 years, you have operated on your data centers, on your premises. And now we are moving some application to cloud, somebody else's computer, somebody else's network, somebody else's firewall. And you don't have physical control over those things. And so how do you get security there? Or, you know, let's say you want just for AI, you want to share your data with another organization. So when you share your data, you want the other organization to process your data, you know, create some insight, but not misuse your data. So anytime you don't have physical control of your data, right? You know, confidential computing is important and critical there. Or let's say you have some really highly sensitive data, something where that's your crown jewel, right? You don't want that to ever get compromised. There might be insiders in your organization who knowingly or unknowingly are compromised. They might want to take your data, right? Or you have something where highly sophisticated attackers from you know foreign countries, enemy countries are after it, right? So how do you secure that? So anytime there is a need to get like extreme level of security, confidential computing is coming very, very handy. Joining us next is Katie King, CEO of AI and Business, a future-focused consultancy dedicated to helping businesses maintain a competitive edge in the age of AI. Katie shares her insights on how smaller companies can apply AI across different business processes, such as sales and marketing, to make them more efficient. 
as an expert, can you give us a couple of examples about the way smaller companies, startups actually can apply AI, let's say, to get the competitive edge in sales and marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. And you're right to ask that question because for many organizations, for quite a few years, AI has been seen as a technology, as a set of tools that are really only applicable for the big corporations. And so I see it in two ways. There's the first area, which is operationally. How can a retailer, a law firm, uh, a construction company, a telecoms company of any size, how can they deploy AI? And then there's the bit I think we're more focused on today, which is the business function of sales and marketing. And the difference with those two is that With the business function tools, they're very affordable. So a small, medium-sized enterprise can use, up until chat GPT, GPT-4, et cetera, before they came along, and even still, there are AI in marketing tools that some are free, some are paying for like a premium type model, like Concured and Frazy and many, many others within the tools that many marketeers would be familiar with, like MailChimp and CRM packages and Brandwatch and so on, there are now AI tools and they're an extension and maybe you might be paying a little bit more for them or maybe they're packaged in as part of what you get. So they're about helping with go-to-market strategies by understanding in detail the persona of your customer so that you're not kind of guessing AI has given us the analytics and the data so that we don't have to guess. So there's this whole raft of tools for sales, marketing, personalization, scoring, content creation, research that actually are very, very affordable. Let's now welcome Sonny Patel, ex-product and engineering leader at Amazon Alexa. Sonny shares her insights on the potential of generative AI and large language models and the impact they have on our lives. So I think generative AI, for those who are new to this topic, is essentially a branch of artificial intelligence that builds new content based on the content that the machine learning model is trained on in the past, right? So when we talk about large language models, you know, we have these models that are trained on very, very extremely large amounts of data scoured from across the internet. And when these models are prompted, given new prompts, or and by prompts, it's basically just natural language instructions, they utilize the knowledge that they've already had to create new content. And because of the amount of data that they're trained on, their ability to create new content seems like magic, really. We're not just talking about text, we're also talking about images and now video. So it's pretty incredible to see the power of this new line of artificial intelligence. Definitely. And I think what's really interesting because, again, you've been in the space, I don't know, like 20 years, maybe like longer. Like I've been in the space like seven years. And again, it's really exciting just to see how everything has changed basically because again, seven years, I don't know about yourself, but I actually couldn't imagine that we actually can go like so far, like seeing, let's say, all that advancements in large language models in chat GPT, like GPT-4, GPT-3, all of that. Up next, we are joined by Kens Anderson, Director of Autonomous AI at Microsoft. 
Kens is an expert in autonomous AI and describes it as AI that senses and responds in real time to optimize or control a process or equipment. Here, he gives us an under-the-hood look at autonomous AI by applying a four-quadrant analogy. I have been thinking about a kind of quadrant for autonomy capabilities that is based on two axes, where one axis is how high value is this? How much potential reward is there to making this decision well? So let's say that's the y-axis. And the other axis, the x-axis, is how much is at risk if you make this decision incorrectly? And the things that go in the four quadrants are basically different kinds of decision-making technologies. So if you're in that bottom left quadrant, which is low value decisions, but also low risk decisions, that's where you can use something like robotic process automation, you know, RPA. You're talking about highly repetitive tasks where each decision is of low value. doesn't mean the prospect of making the decision is low value, but there's also very little to risk. That's where, you, you know, simple rules-based decision-making that goes with RPA is totally fine. Now, to me, in my opinion, something like AutoGPT belongs in the top left quadrant, very potentially high value decisions, but lower risk. That's what a travel agent is. That's what maybe a restaurant concierge is. Sure, there might be a risk. I might have a bad meal, you know, a meal that I don't enjoy as much, but it's nothing like making a bad decision in a steel mill or, you know, or at a wind farm or something like that. Now, that high risk, high reward, that's what I spent most of my time working on, kind of industrial autonomous AI, where it's extremely high value, but also many people's lives could be at risk. And now we hear from Timothy Bates, CTO of Global Accounts Business at Lenovo. Timothy helped us to understand the current state and challenges of technology and ethics in AI. Here, he shares his insight on the challenges of implementing ethical AI at a global scale. I think we're going to have a challenge because of the global economy or the global world that we are in right now. If you look at when we started off the internet way back in the 90s, a lot of people didn't think about the global connections that we would have. And so that brought on all the atrocities and all the issues that we're having today with the current internet. AI is going to have the same problem because AI is not just on one continent on this planet. It's going to be integrated with every culture and every continent and every government. And so when it comes to ethics, we all have different forms of ethics. They kind of all go towards the same thing in some cases, but they start off in obviously different places when you start thinking about religion because ethics is based on what we believe and what we brought up from a religious standpoint, just from a historical standpoint. And so that's going to be the clash on ethics. And what we have to do is basically figure out how are we going to bring a global world together or a world of global cultures together and not really go to a new type of cyber war with AI against each other or AI doing it to us because of ethics. You know, one person may say, this is okay. Like if you think about historical people who have done bad, like Sam or Sam, you know, that was some bad things that happened there. But what if that individual decided to program an AI with their thoughts and their beliefs, and then that AI was given out for free? You know, everybody wants something for free on the internet, and they start believing. That's going to be a, a paradigm shift in how people think and how we interact with each other if the people that are very encourageable start to use that AI, you know. But if governments or we have licensing or something in place to prevent that, maybe that wouldn't happen. But again, how do you do that globally? That's the big question from an ethics standpoint. 
Let's now listen to Aditya Shankar, Chief Data Strategist at DataRobot. This discussion pivoted around the multidimensional world of AI implementation in organizations. Here, Aditya emphasizes the importance of identifying AI use cases and aligning them with business strategies at your organization. Let's say I'm a startup or let's say I'm an enterprise company and I understand, okay, there is so much hype around AI. There is so much value AI actually can bring. What should be my first steps before implementing AI in my business strategy? I think what you really want to be doing is you want to define what AI means for you. So I believe that every organization is AI ready and it's incumbent upon the organization and the vendors that are supporting this organization to discover what kind of AI an organization is ready for. You could call it AI readiness. It's a multidimensional framework. I think most companies get this wrong. AI is not just about the model or just about the use case or just about the idea. It's all of it together at once. It's a bit like the movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. So it's a multidimensional field. The model or the data is just one part of it. You have the business strategy, you have the people, you have the processes, you have the organizational structure in itself, you have the tech stack and so on. And given that AI is such a multidimensional field, it is very important for every organization to discover where they are on that multidimensional AI readiness journey. So do a bit of baselining, try to understand where you are currently, and then define what AI really means for you. I think that is very, very important. What do you really mean by AI? What, because there's a lot of hype going around on AI right now. It could mean different things for different companies, different personas, and so on. It's very important for us to have an AI vision, which basically says, this is what AI means for me. This is what I want to do with AI. This is the kind of value that I want to create with AI. And then sort of distill it down to a strategy and then a roadmap of AI use cases, which is sequenced, which is qualified, and which is aligned to your business strategy. I think that's something which is very, very critical. Alignment of AI use cases to your business strategy is very, very important. Last but not least, we hear from Justin Swansburg, VP of Applied Data and AI at DataRobot. He shares his views on the intersection of generative and predictive AI. Let's listen in. So I spend a lot of my time thinking about the intersection of those two concepts. So while they're different, there's certainly overlap. There are generative problems that leak into the predictive space and predictive problems that you can actually use or leverage generative AI to improve. For me, I'll go through a couple of examples. The probably most popular right now is just simply using generative AI to produce code to almost serve as a co-pilot or assist. So we've been working a lot there. Of course, people like Microsoft with their co-pilot, Google or something similar, they've really been at the forefront here. And I think it's a tremendous way to use this technology to improve your productivity. It's not going to necessarily replace engineering roles or data scientist roles, but it's going to help you write really high quality code really quick. So that's probably the simplest example. Then the next one is probably data enrichment. At least that's what I've been calling it. And this is more, it lives in that intersection between the two. So for predictive problems, if you're going to go ahead and let's say forecast for a hospital, how likely patients are to readmit after they've been discharged. Since of course, as a nurse or a doctor, you'd prefer to treat them appropriately and have them not return back to the hospital. You might want to leverage some generative AI to actually better understand their diagnoses while they're in the hospital. So if you have all of these lab tests, you've got the result of all of these different medications that they're on or prescriptions that they're taking, 
you could actually run that through something like GPT or a large language model to get more context around what are the potential symptoms of whatever this diagnosis is, or what are some of the comorbidities for this particular patient. And then that's, that's related to a patient that the model is sort of a learn in the background. You can use that extra information to augment your data set and then treat the rest of the problem like a straightforward, supervised classical machine learning problem. The Unleashing AI podcast is brought to you by Unleashing AI. To find out more about Unleashing AI and how innovative, custom-built AI can help your business, visit unleashing.ai. Also, make sure to search for Unleashing AI in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Unleashing AI, thank you for listening.